0: first coming attractions before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the voice america empowerment channel we'll take you behind the scenes interview celebrities and review new movies tv shows and digital releases now here are your hosts from kids first coming attractions
1: Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions, I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California and today we are going to be talking about Cultureverse, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the Boss Baby Family Business, Family Reunion and Centaur World and first off we're going to be talking with Kendall and Avalon about Cultureverse, so to start off with Kendall, why don't you explain to us what Cultureverse even is?
2: So Cultureverse basically spins off like traditional legends and myths. They add some fictional characters, kind of change the storyline a bit, which makes it a little more interesting and understanding for kids. And Mm -hmm. it just kind of makes a story out of old characters from the past.
1: So is this like an episodic series
2: or does it have an overarching narrative? Uh, Yes, each episode is its own thing.
1: All right. Well, that sounds incredibly interesting. And as someone who uh, did a lot of research about different mythologies and uh, folktales as a child, I think this is definitely something that, you know, um, I think this is something that could be pretty interesting. So Avalon, this, as far as I can tell, this is a podcast. So have you uh, listened to any other podcasters? This is your first one.
3: I have listened to some other ones, but this one's pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh Kendall, have uh you listened to any other podcasts before?
2: Uh yeah, I have listened to some podcasts, but this might be one of my favorites.
1: Oh wow. So we have two people who have listened to podcasts before. I'm can't say I'm the same. I <laughs> but you know, if this is on a subject that I personally think is very interesting and is something that uh, should be taught more, I think that maybe a way to get me to finally experience a podcast. So, um, Avalon, what would you say was your favorite myth or folktale explored in this series?
3: Um, probably the water dragon. They do a story where they take the old uh, Chinese folktale, uh, the water dragon. And they kind of, like, make it into a new story with some new characters.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, Kendall, what was your favorite myth explored in this uh, series?
2: Uh, my favorite was Gitly. It's one about, it's about uh, a Cherokee, it's based off a Cherokee myth called the Deluge. It's basically about, like, this dog who's able to, who warns the people of the flood.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that sounds very interesting. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, considering the fact that this seems to be taking after very, a lot, very many cultures, uh, like not just a few. I think that could be a very interesting um, way for people to learn about all these different kinds of cultures and mythologies. Uh, So, Avalon, Mm -hmm, would you say that the Water Dragon episode is your favorite
3: episode? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Out of the ones I listened to. Mm-hmm.
1: And Kendall, uh, what would you say is your favorite episode in this podcast? Uh,
2: The Water Dragon might have been my favorite. It was actually a really good one. Uh it was definitely a good uh just overall I think that they really s- tried to stay true to the original thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's very important. Um, uh, you know, when you're trying to teach someone about a different culture and stuff like that. Yeah. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attraction. Today, we are talking about Shang-Chi and the the Legend of the Ten Rings, The Boss Baby, Family Business, Family Reunion, and Centaur World. And right now, we are going to be continuing with Avalon and Kendall about Cultureverse. So, uh, tell me a little bit more about the production of uh, this podcast, Avalon, like... um, maybe about the voice actors included or how the stories are presented.
3: Yeah. So there's, uh, two hosts in the show. And then they basically kind of tell the, like the background information, like where they are and what they're doing. And then they have separate voice actors who kind of voice the characters and they put it all together. And it makes a really cool story. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you, uh, have a favorite of these voice actors?
3: Uh, no, not really. I think they're all really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get the feeling. Like, you know, sometimes there's a series out there and you just go, wow, everyone in this is amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Kendall, what would you say is your favorite aspect about this podcast?
2: Uh, I definitely like the fact... Uh, I definitely like the fact that they add... Uh, that they add characters from our time and that they don't kind of go back in time for it. They make each podcast take place uh, in this time. So I think that that was definitely one of my favorite parts of it, how it stays in our time.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that could help make it more relatable to a younger person listening to this and hearing about these stories for the first time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Avalon, uh, what would you say is your favorite aspect of the podcast?
3: Um, I think probably how they use the different actors, uh, to portray the voices. And then they also have some cool sound effects that they use sometimes that I think makes it really fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Kendall, you mentioned how they add, uh, original characters to go along with each story would you say you have a favorite character out of uh, this fa- this um handful
2: uh one of my favorite characters was from the water dragon uh uh the main character david i really liked his like curiosity mm-hmm. uh and i also really liked his little sister i think her name was jenny
1: and uh, Avalon, uh, would you say you have a favorite character?
3: Uh, no, not really. I think that there's hard to decide.
1: <laughs> well, that's understandable. <laughs> so, um, Kendall, what would you say uh, is the message of this podcast overall, even as an episodic series?
2: Uh, I think that the message... Uh, it's really just to kind of keep old, to keep all the cultures alive, uh, especially because storytelling is one of the ways that we keep uh, heritages alive. And this podcast really helps with that.
1: Mm-hmm. And so final question, Avalon, what would you say is your star rating for this podcast? And also where can people listen to it?
3: uh so my starting would be uh four to five stars and you can uh, listen to it on tracks
1: all right well thank you guys so much for talking to me about cultureverse
2: uh you're welcome it was nice to talk mm-hmm
1: Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City, Fantastic Adventures.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: At Kids First, we believe that Smart Kids makes more consumers. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Culture First, and next we will be talking with Heather about Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. So, to start off, why don't you tell us the story of this film?
6: Okay, so Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is about this guy named Shang-Chi and his father is the Mandarin. Now, we've seen a play on him uh, in Iron Man 3. And so now we finally get to see the real Mandarin who has the power of the Ten Rings, which are all powerful items that can give you strength and that can change the world around you and the mandarin goes crazy and so shang chi has to stop his father before he like messes up the entire universe oh.
7: well that's
1: quite a lot so
6: <laughs> it, is, it is
1: so to start off how are the characters in this film
6: I definitely think that Shia Ling and Sh- and Shang-Chi are my favorite Marvel characters, like by far. They're so great. I mean, this movie as a whole just serves so great as an origin story. I mean, it feels like we've known Shang like 10 years like the 11 12 years that marvel the mcu has been around it feels like we've known him for so long the flashbacks are so great he's such a funny character he's such a great representation for asian american pacific islander their community he's such a strong character he's so funny and he just really represents what like chinese american citizens go through every day and just trying to find his way in the world and just becoming a new superhero which is really really cool
7: Wow,
1: that's that's quite high praise. I mean, considering how many characters are in the MCU at this point to have like him be your favorite. I think that definitely
6: says a lot about him as a character. It really does. I mean, he's so he's so modern. I mean, I feel like Tony, you know, he's funny and he's very you know sarcastic but Shang-Chi is such a relatable character he feels like so much like a lot of young adults that just don't know what they want to do in life and what jobs they want and just trying to find their place in the world he's so relatable and he's so funny so he's just such a like nice breath of fresh air so I can't wait to see him with the other Avengers and whatever becomes of him because I know he's gonna be like a a fan favorite just like Ant-Man
1: that honestly sounds incredible. Like you have definitely sold me on this character, like already.
6: No, this whole movie is amazing. I, I need to say it's like top top three of Marvel movies. I mean, I feel like now entering phase four, we saw Black Widow and and it was kind of like an upset, you know. We really didn't get what we wanted from that movie. And I feel like Shang-Chi just knocked it out of the park totally gave us so much so many great characters so many great phrases and references and just humor and comedy and not to mention the fighting like the fighting you can tell the difference between phase one two and three and now phase four the fighting is totally insane like this is a movie that you have to see in IMAX to be able to experience it to the fullest
1: yeah we definitely have come a long way with all of these Marvel movies. You know, it feels kind of surreal to be going from the first Iron Man and then now we have Endgame and all the stuff that's coming after Endgame.
6: Right, and I feel like Endgame was just a comma in the entire Marvel universe and what they're capable of. I feel like now coming up on these new movies and Shang-Chi is just such a great character and such a great movie. I feel like this is very top three Marvel works. It's so great.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, speaking of all of the action scenes, how are the visuals in this movie?
6: Oh, my God. I can't. Don't even get me started on that. It's so incredible. I mean, The cinematography plays such a huge part in it about like the angles that they go through. And it's a lot of slow motion, but some of the movements are quick and cunning when it's like very hardcore fights are very soft and smooth and like the world around them. There's like such huge differences with like the flowers and the dragons. It's it's so much to take in, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. It's absolutely incredible. Well, that sounds honestly really cool to see. You're listening to Kids
1: First Coming Attractions. Today, we are talking about Cultureverse and Boss Baby Family Business, Family Reunion and Centaur World. And right now we are gonna be going back to my interview with Heather about Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings. So, uh, how are the costumes in this film?
6: They are so cool. I mean, I feel like it's such a big difference from what we usually see from Marvel. I mean, you get the Tony Stark metal iron, then you have like the Black Widow, like this slick cat suit. but this is so cool. I mean, it's made out of dragon scales, so it looks so incredible in the texture and the features, and everybody has different um different suits i love the mandarin i mean i feel like it goes so great with this character like this darkness it just gives him such a power and then shang chi's character like his outfit is so cool and then you get katie's which is a lot nice flowy it's very different from like the two men which is really cool and then shia ling is so cool because she's got the the white dragon scales and so she's got like the black accent which is awesome they're so amazing love them (laughs) (laughs)
1: That honestly does sound really cool. And you know, I personally think that costume design is one of the most like underrated aspects of film. So it is nice to sort of see like a film where like a where the costume design does seem to play a very uh, big part in the story.
6: It really does. And when you watch the movie, you understand how important the the costumes are and what powers they get from it and how it protects them. So it's not just, oh, I put this on because it's going to protect me. It has a lot of uses to it. So what would you say is your favorite scene in this film? Definitely the bus fight. I mean, we've gotten a couple of previews about that fight and about Razor Fist, and how he cuts the bus up in half, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much to this. Again, you have to see this film in IMAX, just particularly for that scene, which is so incredible. I mean, I I, just, I can't talk about it, because it's going to be a really big spoiler, but it's awesome. Definitely, again, one of Marvel's best fight scenes, if not the greatest, right after Endgame, just because of... it's so much the choreography the reactions that you get from katie are so funny the whole bus and like the high stakes so it leaves you on the edge of your seat plus the camera angles again we get like the the slow motion and and like the under and the around it's just really really cool so it's so enjoyable
1: (laughs) that does sound very enjoyable and you know yeah i get i get the feeling of like wanting to talk about something, but of course you can't because spoilers. So that's that's <laughs> fair.
6: So how was the acting in this film? I think it was absolutely incredible from the cast all around. I mean, you have such great actors. You've got Tony and Michelle who are such huge icons and they're just so great. I mean, you have like two sides Of the same coin i mean you've got like this like violence and anger and you get this pain from tony from the mandarin which is like you sort of feel bad for him i mean i think he's like absolutely again like top five marvel villains because you you feel bad for him i feel like he's such a strong person and like imagine he's like a dictator conqueror but then at the end of the day you know he misses his wife and then um aquafina is katie so funny like you just look forward to seeing her. I mean, like her parts with Hotel California are hilarious. Like you're going to be like dying laughing with her. And then, of course, you get Simu Liu, uh, Marvel's first Asian-American actor, which is so cool. We finally get representation for this culture, which is so awesome. He's such a great character, such an inspiration. And his just performance is, again, hilarious, sweet, kind. He's He's definitely going to be one of your favorite Marvel characters. It really does seem like everything in this film is coming together. It is. I'm telling you, really, it's just everything put together. When you look at it, it's like you, you can't think of one bad thing to say about this movie.
1: hmm. So what would you say is the message of
6: the film? To definitely find yourself and to trust yourself. I mean, Shang, he, he has like this an inner turmoil of like, should I fight my father? I mean, like he's my dad, but he's like evil. And so what should I do? And he goes and he finds himself along the way. Plus, Katie, I mean, her family is like, oh, you need to get a different job and you you need to find out what you want to do. And even she's lost. She doesn't know where her place is in the world. And she finally finds it in the least place that she would have thought And so they you see the character development, even though it's just one movie about how they go from being these people who don't know what they want to knowing, okay, this is what I have to do and I'm ready to do it.
1: Well, yeah, honestly, this definitely sounds uh, like a very enjoyable film for, I guess, basically everyone based on how you're describing
6: it. It is. I mean, you don't need to be a Marvel fan fan and that's the thing i mean you can just watch it as a standalone film there's not too many ties to the mcu even though it ends like oh this is the direction that it's going to lead to but you can just watch the movie as a standalone and enjoy it equally as much as any mcu fan yeah i think that's important because i do think that there are some cases where some people are afraid
1: to watch like newer mcu films because there's so much like lore and backstory to a lot of these films so it can become kind of overwhelming like which films do I watch do I need to watch these films
6: right exactly but no you can just enjoy it and just watch it and have such an amazing time just like any other person wants to watch this Marvel movie Mm -hmm.
1: so final question what is the star rating and age rating for this film
6: So I'm going to give it five out of five stars. I guess you guys could see that one coming. (laughs) And I recommend it for ages 10 to 18 plus adults. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Heather. Oh, no problem. It was my pleasure.
1: So let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City, Fantastic Adventures.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: To become a kid's first film critic, visit our website to find out when the next Audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about Cultureverse and Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. And next, we will be listening to Gianna and Micah interview Tom McGrath, the, the director
3: of the Boss Baby Family Business. Hi, I'm Micah reporting for Kids First, and I'm Gianna reporting for Kids First, and today we will be speaking with Tom McGrath, the director of The Boss Baby Family Business, which releases on digital August 31st, 2021, and on Blu-ray September 14, 2021. Mr. McGrath
7: directed the Academy Award and Golden Globe-nominated film, The Boss Baby, and the sequel, The Boss Baby Family Business. He also directed, co-wrote, and voiced the lead Penguin Skipper in Madagascar, Madagascar Escape to Africa, and Madagascar 3, Europe's
3: Most Wanted. Hi, Mr. Mithgrath. Uh, Hi, question, Diana. Hi, Micah. Hello. Our question is, with the success of the original Boss Baby movie and your reputation as a Academy Award nominee, did you feel any pressure in directing this anticipated sequel?
4: Um it's the same pressure you always have, I think, in in doing anything is like, you want to make sure people like it, whether you're doing a painting, a sculpture, a movie, it's like, you just, you just put your heart and soul into it and hope people like it. And, you know, um, the way we approach the movies is like, um, because we don't have a test audience, if it makes us laugh or it moves us, you know, then we feel like we're on the right track, you know? And, um, you know, I think when you make any kind of piece of art or any kind of anything is really not to to think about what other people would like. is really about, um, you know, what you'd like yourself, what means a lot to you. How can you put your personal experiences into um, anything you do um, and hopefully entertain audiences? So there's always the pressure of doing a great movie, but it's regardless of awards or anything like that. At the end of the day, the great reward as a filmmaker is to sit in an audience and, and listen to kids laugh or their parents laugh or or that sort of thing, you know.
7: Well, a lot of times sequels can't, don't really like match up to the first one, but I think this one did. And oh, I, don't I think hope so. It, I don't think it'll come off as pressure or anything. So I think audiences will really enjoy.
4: Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot because we thank you. put a lot of work into this one and, and you just hope people like it.
3: I think they will. Thank you for talking with us today, Tom McGrath, about the release of the Boss Baby Family Business, which releases on digital August 31st and on Blu-ray September 14th, 2021. Be sure to check it out. I'm Gianna. And I'm Michael,
1: reporter for Kids First. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we have been talking about Cultureverse, Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, and Boss Baby Family Business, And right now, we're going to be switching over to Micah's interview with John Simmons, the cinematographer on Family Reunion.
7: Hi, I'm Micah reporting for Kids First, and today I have the opportunity to speak to an Emmy Award winning cinematographer and photographer, John Simmons. Mr. Simmons has worked on multiple shows such as Pair of Kings, No Good Nick, and Nicky, Ricky, Dicky, and Dawn, which he just won an Emmy Award for. Additionally, his notable still photography is currently on display at three museums, including the J. Paul Getty Museum in Los Angeles, California. Today, we're discussing his latest project, Family Reunion, Part 4. Hi, Mr. Simmons. Welcome. So we're just going to get right in. I heard you say that you visit museums to help you prepare for your upcoming projects. Did you visit any museums prior to Part 4 of Family Reunion? And if so, in what ways did that contribute to how you approach this new season?
8: Well, I'll tell you, I whenever I take on an assignment and you know, I'm in charge of the look of the assignment and mm-hmm. what the project should feel like. Family reunion, it wasn't as necessary for me to go to museums and study the looks because I'm dealing with something that comes from my own personal experience, right? And you know, I know what the houses I looked at I lived in and visited as a child. And all those environments have influenced the way I shoot, the way I look at things, the way I light things. Family reunion was like working with my own family. So it was pretty easy to generate a look for that show. I got nominated for an Emmy last year for that show, too.
7: Yes, I heard. And that is a great job. Congratulations for that. And I definitely think you deserve it. And it's great that you could pull it from your own experiences to the show. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) You are a three time Emmy Award winning cinematographer recognized for your work using multiple cameras. Can you describe the way you use multiple cameras when shooting a series like Family Reunion?
8: Well, you know, Family Reunion is a sitcom. Mm-hmm. So we shoot it in a proscenium. It's almost like uh, those sitcoms are pretty much um, are like theater. You know, they continue and, you you know, they, it's a story that continues. Um, it works in a proscenium. So we're shooting in a 180 degree perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we shoot single camera, we shoot. Shots, like close-ups, medium shots, and long shots. In Family Reunion and most sitcoms, we do all that at the same time. And actually, really, the approach to that started a long time ago with shows like I Love Lucy and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, the Jackie Gleason Show and things like that. It's at the very foundation of TV entertainment, sitcoms are. And um, the approach in terms of lighting is very different than approaching a dramatic story. because yes. One thing about sitcoms is that they're dialogue driven, they're not visually driven. So when somebody gets nominated for cinematography for a sitcom, it usually comes out of um, the ability to express yourself visually in that environment a little more. So that requires a really good art director, producers that trust you to be able to interpret lighting, lighting in terms of a dramatic and narrative approach. So that's a very different thing. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's how it
7: works. (laughs) Well, the multiple cameras seems very beneficial when shooting a series like this because you get to see a bunch of different point of views and a bunch of different angles within the series. Exactly. You've been the cinematographer for many other TV shows. What makes this show different from others you've previously worked on?
5: Well,
8: this show... Well, the one thing that was very different about Family Reunion is that, first of all, it was a very funny show. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's really entertaining. But the other thing that really made me feel good about working on that show is that it approached social issues. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it's always interesting when someone can take a social issue and keep that thing serious and important and at the mm-hmm. same time surrounded with comedy. The other thing about the show that was really special to me is that Meg Delush, the creator of the show and the um, showrunner, mm-hmm. was very instrumental in giving people their first opportunities, right? And even if someone didn't do well and had to be replaced, she would still replace them with somebody. Who was on their way up? So she was very instrumental in moving people forward. As a matter of fact, I got to direct an episode of Family Reunion. Oh,
3: that's
8: cool! I had directed other things in the past, but mostly commercials and documentaries and music videos. Mm-hmm. But I never directed a narrative show, and Meg gave me the opportunity to do that. Along with a number of other people, got their first shots um, through her uh, generosity.
7: Well, that's amazing that you got to explore a different path when you did this show. And you just said that you worked on music videos, which is so cool, by the way. And in the past, you've worked on music videos with some of the world's most influential musicians. Did that experience influence the way you shot the musical scenes in Family Reunion?
8: Yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, music videos, they are you know, a lot of times they're pretty much experimental, Mm -hmm. you know, people pretty much leave you alone to be able to light the way you see it and to be able to use equipment that you don't normally use. So that has influenced a lot of the things I shoot. And Family Reunion usually had a musical number in pretty much every other episode. And I was very much influenced by my past with music videos. And now the technology has changed so greatly in -hmm. terms of being able to light, change colors that it's always fun to do that sort of thing.
7: The musical scenes in this series seem like a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun to watch. They, so they must have been a lot of fun to shoot too.
8: Yeah, they're fun. They're fun.
7: The McCallum the family goes through a lot of ups and downs in the past seasons, and this one as well. How do you relate to their personal experiences?
8: Well, like I said, a lot, a lot of those personal experiences uh, are experiences that I can relate to. And Mm -hmm. the characters are so well-defined in Family Reunion. Like Loretta Devine, I don't know if it's that way in your family, but she's a grandmother that is a grandmother in so many families. And everybody's afraid of her. (laughs) Always got something funny to say. I mean, it was easy for me to relate to that show. and um, There's just a lot of fun. A lot of people can relate to that show. Yes. I was talking to, to my sister and her, uh, my, my, my daughter, and her husband was describing the show one day and started to talk about his grandmother. And she was basically Loretta Divine, right?
7: <laughs> so my last question is, what would you like audiences to take away from this new part of Family Reunion?
8: Well, I want them to really have the joy of entertainment that family reunion brings to everyone. But also I want them to be able to take a serious look at the social issues that family reunion brings up and mm-hmm. to take an active part in solving those problems, you know? And it's just a wonderful show and it's inspiring. It's very much family oriented and it's yeah. just a wonderful show.
7: It really is. I've seen all parts of this show and I will continue to watch it until the very end. And just thank you so much, Mr. John Simmons, for talking with me today about Family Reunion Season 4. This exciting new part of Family Reunion comes out on August 26th, 2021 on Netflix. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) Thank you. I'm Micah reporting for
1: Kids First. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City Fantastic Adventures.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice
0: To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up.
1: Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Cultureverse, Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings, Boss Baby, Family Business, and Family Reunion, And next, we are going to be listening to Zoe interview Megan Nicole Dong, the producer of Centaur World. Hey, everyone. I'm
9: Zoe at the Movies. And today I'm here with the beautiful Megan Nicole Dong. I'm so excited to talk to you, the executive producer and creator of Centaur World, which is the new animated series. that's going to be on Netflix. It's adorable. I love the characters and I'm so excited to talk to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Centaur World is definitely super original. It's kind of about an outsider, I guess, trying to find herself um in the big world and she's bonded with others and I understand that I guess when you were younger um you almost felt kind of like horse how she is in her situation so I guess did you base yourself I mean
10: not did you base horse off of yourself in any way if that makes sense a little bit definitely um uh I mean like uh, the horse kind of became her own character as we were developing this but um but yeah like the her journey um definitely mirrors my own just kind of uh um, uh i i was in um i thought that i was supposed to study and, and study really hard and do really well in school and, and go you know pursue something that was a more conventional career and then i wound up in a show choir unexpectedly um and and um, that whole experience changed me and really pushed me towards the arts and um and i, I think that um so i i really relate to the character of horse and I, I i hope that others do too for sure
9: and i mean i'm so excited to continue watching the series and see kind of where this journey that horse is um going on with her friends takes her and i think it's uh, audiences will definitely be able to connect with her vulnerability so i also want to ask how was it was it i guess challenging at all to make horse relatable for other audiences um when they're watching to kind of connect with her
10: um yeah I mean in the first place she's she's not human <laughs> right so she's a she's a horse so i think um i, I think that um, making her relatable for, for sure was it was a challenge and and um, I, I think uh I think that like uh Kamiko Glenn, who, pl- who portrays Horace, really brought so much um so much character and heart to uh to Horse. And um I but I do think that audiences will will relate to her because um because of um like her struggles that she go the struggles that she goes through when she first arrives in Centaur World and um, also just the uh um just like the humor that Kamiko brought. To the character and also her, you know, like kamika has got an amazing singing voice and and um I think telling the story through um through songs really um helped us bring the character to life. Of course
9: I'm, I'm a music lover and I loved all of the songs in the series. So con- huge congratulations uh also like yeah. in general. And I know I definitely could cre- uh, like relate to horse and so could my mom, which I think is so cool. I mean we're totally awesome. different people, but um we could both <laughs> connect to the same character. And I would also want to to know why you named her Horse and kind of chose her as the
10: leading girl. Yeah, um so so Horse um w- I chose the name Horse because I, I felt like for her character and for the her circumstances um just being in the m- middle of a war and um being so young but ha- having been a soldier for, you know, for most of her her young life, um I felt like that was a, a thing that she would have done. was she and her and Ryder wouldn't have, you know, like messed around with names like just for convenience because they're so um so efficient and so so focused on that war that they're in. So that's part of the reason why her name is Horse.
9: I love I think that's so sweet. And yeah I totally agree. Like um at the beginning we can really see that horse is definitely like a very strong and I guess almost tough character. But as you keep on watching you kind of discover that she's uh really sweet too and she has like another side of her that you kind of get Mm -hmm. to discover while watching. Um one of my favorite aspects of the show I guess is that you could kind of balance comedy and then like the action scenes and everything like the musical road trip I guess was it kind of hard to combine all, so many things into like one
10: series? Absolutely that was one of our biggest challenges is that uh, there were so many different things going on so many different influences and, and um, you know like the comedy the the action um, some of the scarier elements too and kind of finding that balance was um, was certainly a challenge and. I think for us, uh, we always prioritized um, Horse's emotional journey and her growth as a character um, and kind of made sure that that was at the heart of everything. And that kind of served to guide us through like, okay, how much of all of these things should we include? And um, we always, uh, and we also used the songs to kind of help us with the narrative as well, because we always wanted those songs to be um, reflective of the character's emotions and for them to always be narrative. So I think, I think those things helped us kind of keep things uh, um, cohesive and make like it allowed us to to make sense of it all.
9: Yeah, for sure. And how you said, um, I guess some of the scary elements too. With every like, I, how was it? I guess making the difference between like the real, I guess, dark world, but then like this entire world, which is like super happy and bright and colorful with the the little pancakes or kibble cakes. Is that what kibble <laughs> <them>? cakes?
10: Yeah. <laughs> um, we wanted everything to to feel extremely distinct so even like like visually um like we we ended up working with two different completely different animation studios to work on both of those styles so uh horse's world was animated by one studio that specializes more in action and then um centaur world uh was animated by a studio that you know like really did did well with a more cartoony squashy stretchy um style and um, and that was very much a part of the storytelling, too, is we wanted this, these to feel like two completely different shows that kind of, you know, got put together in a blender. Um, uh, so that was, um, yeah, so making these two places feel really distinct was always really important for us.
9: Yeah, I think you nailed it, though, in the end. Uh, like what I've seen so far, I've fallen in love with the series. And I also love that all the characters are, like, so different and, like, diverse. I mean, you got, like, a zebra with, like, the body of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> around right. There. I love all the characters.
1: You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we have been talking about Cultureverse, Shang-Chi, Legend of Ten Rings, Boss Baby, Family Business, Family Reunion, and right now, we're going to be continuing Zoe's interview with Megan Nicole Dong, the producer of Centaur
9: World. We're touching on the animation now I guess what um, other inspirations did you take to make this because I the animation I I loved it and I also think I could definitely see this show definitely being like in Cartoon Network or something like I would see like on television you know
10: yeah um I I drew from a lot of influences um um from animation and also just from other stuff that I like um so like um we have we Um, it was inspired by, you know, like Muppets too, like a lot of like just Muppets and and puppets um, were a huge inspiration for kind of like the way that the centaurs moved and looked. Um, And also um, like video games were kind of an influence as well. Like Breath of the Wild and Zelda was kind of like a bit of an influence for like the horse and rider relationship and kind of what that world felt like. Um, And then uh, like, Disney Disney musicals, of course, were were a big influence as well, um, and uh, shows like um, shows like Crazy Girlfriend* and *Flight of the Concords, like those, you know, live action musical shows like that, were also an influence too. Um, but we kind of like we kind of just put everything that we liked into into the show. Yeah, for sure. I was just wondering because I mean watching the show alone, it just looks so
9: original. So I was wondering kind of what you took from other shows to create this new one. And I also understand that you have a background in musical theater. So how important was it for you to incorporate music and make songs for the series as well? I, I love them all. I would definitely like add
10: them to my playlist or something. Oh, thank you. Um Yeah, like I cause I love musical theater so much and um I I wanted um I wanted all of the songs to feel, um, to feel like they were just um, seamless parts of the narrative. You know, like I I didn't want there just to be songs that were happening just for the sake of having songs. Like I I wanted each song to kind of um, um, be a part of the story or uh, tell up, you know, like um, be reflective of the characters emotions, whether those were comedic songs or stuff that was, you know, like more heartfelt and serious or scary moments. so I, I wanted them to be super incorporated into the into the story. So um, myself and um, my co-EP Dominic Visignano um, wrote all of the songs. and so we were in, we were in the writer's room from the beginning. We were looking at the art. we were, you know, like um, you know um, in there with the writers as we were uh, moving along through the story and writing the song. So I think I think the fact that we were we were there through so much of the process really helped us with the songwriting
9: awesome yeah um i i love the songs once again i already said that but it's true thank you i guess wrap up everything um so i guess as the being the creator and executive producer what message or like what did you kind of want to accomplish with this because i also understood that when you were showing this idea to your family and friends i guess they didn't exactly understand or get it and i know my mom too when i first showed her this series or when she first saw it she was a little confused but when as soon as she started watching like we could not stop and there is so much uh like great moments in the series itself so I guess what once again did you kind of want or what are your expectations
10: with the series and where do you want it to go um yeah it's I mean it's a difficult thing to describe this you know but those are also that kind of content is the is the stuff that I'm drawn to stuff that is is um doesn't really fit into one box I I wanted to make something that felt like it was its own thing and And um, in terms of what I want people to take away from it, um, I mean, our our core messages are really about um, um, learning that vulnerability is a strength and finding one's family. and, and I think the other thing that I, I really want, I hope is comes through and I hope audiences get from it, was just how much joy was put into it. We really had so much fun making the show and um, our cast and crew like put a lot of themselves into it. And we had, um, we had a lot of fun, especially during, we. I know that part of this production we, we made in quarantine too. And, and, um, and I know that everyone's had such a, like a, a pretty trying year, you know, like coming out of all of this. And I hope that um. I hope that people experience some joy from watching it. We had a lot of fun making it.
9: Yeah, thank you so much for talking with me. As being an audience member and as well a new fan, I can definitely say that your message and what you wanted to accomplish was definitely there and that I truly felt it while watching. Make sure to watch Into entire world on um, Netflix, everyone.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First film critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Charlie's Colorform City Fantastic Adventures. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening.
0: Bye bye. <music>